And so for GCs, it's really about reducing risk and be, giving you the ability to help your owner make proactive decisions. So the more confident you can be where you're at on changes, you can better communicate to your owner where you're at. Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software. You're invited to join our MEP and construction innovation adventure with a mission to propel this great industry forward. My guest today is Cameron Page. He's the CEO of X-Tracker, the industry's only change order communication platform. Leaning on his experience as a project manager, Cameron understands the risk involved in processing change orders and how detrimental mistakes can be to a project. Welcome to the show, Cameron. Hey Todd, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, so first question I, I always like to ask is, how'd you get into the construction industry? Yeah, I, I got into the construction industry really just coming out of high school. My family isn't, doesn't come from construction, so I, um, but I've always wanted to build things. And so I, uh, I found out there was a major for it in college called construction management. So I applied and got into Cal Poly San Luis Obispo's uh, construction management program. And going in somewhere, I had the idea in the back of my head that if I was going to manage construction someday, I should probably have done construction at some point in my life. So I actually joined an apprenticeship program uh, right after high school and worked a couple of summers for a structural wood framing company up in Sacramento, where I'm from, which was probably the best experience I have actually being on a framing crew, being on the job site, swinging a hammer, learning from, you know, a master carpenter. Um, and then from there, you know, I graduated in 2009, which was uh, a really interesting time to graduate with a construction management degree. Uh, so we were all fighting each other for, for jobs. So I think luckily, you know, I had a, a good, a good resume and good background and, um, was lucky enough to get a job at a company called DevCon Construction, which is a big design build general contractor here in the, uh, in Silicon Valley, really the South Bay, San Jose area. And, um, worked there for about nine years, built, uh, a lot of different types of projects we did, um, you know, fast paced tenant improvements for companies like Google, Apple. Um, and then did a lot of ground up work too. So built uh, a lot of work on Stanford's campus. Um, again, a lot of office buildings, things like that. Um, but all that time, I was really developing the idea for X-Tracker with some of the challenges I had just in my day-to-day -day work. Yeah, nice. Well, as a, a fellow uh, 2009 <laughs> graduate here, I, I understand the pain there. <laughs> yeah. Crazy time to graduate. <laughs> it was wild times, yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, it's, it's also a good time to start your career because it's really only been up from there. So that's true. <laughs> that's true. When you take it from that vantage point, I like it. Uh, so how did the kind of that real world experience that you got on the job site, how did, did that set you up for success for what you're doing now? Well, it certainly set me up for success. I think being a project manager, um, because you can really empathize with the subcontractors you're working with, and not only the PMs on the sub teams, but the actual teams out on the job site, the stuff they're going through, the challenges they have, the mm -hmm. communication gaps between the field and the office. If you sat on both sides of the table, you can really start to learn that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so that set me up well for, for my career, but if you're just being a general contractor, you're kind of in the middle of everything. And that's why it's a great, um, if you're going to join this industry, it's it's a it's a good place to start because you're you truly are a generalist. You know, you you manage the architect, you manage the owner, you manage the subcontractors, you manage um, the inspector. You know, you're you're involved with everyone on the project, and you have to have the ability to work with you know all sorts of different people. And so, um, 
that experience uh, is really what set me up to um, build X-Tracker. And, and the challenge with the problem we solve, which is around change order communication, is how do a bunch of people on a, you know, using different software systems internally all align around changes in costs with outside of those systems, right? And so the tool sets that we use, which is common in the industry, is email. So you email back and forth a change order request, you ask questions, you review it. Your job is to validate the scope and contents are accurate. But again, the tool set you're using is email or an ex a shared spreadsheet or change order log that's either exported from someone's system or created in Excel or created in a shared doc. And again, you're trying to keep track of all those different things. So that's really where the idea for Xtracker was, was born. Yeah, nice. So you brought up the, the communication gap that exists out there. How do you go about really effectively pulling different groups together that historically don't communicate very well with each other? Yeah, well, I think the, the first thing is, you know, technology with where it's evolved uh, mm -hmm. gives us the ability to do that in a way we couldn't in the past. And so, you know, 30 years ago, there wasn't even an email. And to be perfectly honest, I'm not sure how they dealt with change order design either, but technology has certainly also accelerated the way that projects are designed and developed. And so as, a, as primarily a design build general contractor, we would be pulled into projects earlier and earlier, obviously in the design phase. And especially with like the climate it is today, we would try and write contracts early, including our own contract. Um, to lock in material prices, to get budgets established, things like that. The challenge though, is once you have a contract written, that's great that you have the material price locked in, but if you haven't completed the design, you're still gonna need to evolve that design and evaluate those cost decisions, but you're no longer doing it in a competitive bid environment. And so now the change order process becomes even more important because one, there's more frequent changes with the you know, design tools we have today, you're brought in earlier to the process, but you still have to scrub and validate those costs. So again, we would go back to our old tools, which is email and shared Excel spreadsheets and things like that, and try and keep track of all those costs. Well, now there's technology available. Um, obviously, cloud-based software is, is a big thing. But on top of that, there's a bunch of tools that you know weren't available even five or six years ago, like real-time messaging, um, PDF annotations, and a bunch of different tools that we've actually put all into our software suite so we can have this real-time communication between stakeholders, regardless of what each company is using internally for their financials, to make sure they're all on the same page. So it's really the, um, the evolution of just software over the last couple of years that have really made you know, our, our business and our service um, possible and, and really, uh, you know, supercharged in, in a way that can be before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So kind of playing off that, that evolution of technology over the last, you know, several years and uh, really ramping up for the last couple of years, even how are you guys contributing to that, that evolution in the, the technology? Yeah. I mean, specifically for us, you know, our whole mission as a company is to help get change orders processed and flowed faster. Like that's what we're all about. And it, it may not sound like the sexiest mission, but if you're a subcontractor or a general contractor, that is one of your biggest pain points. You know, the, the easiest way to um, increase risk on a project is to let change orders stack up or miss something and find out about it six months later 
And then you as a GC you have to go talk to the owner and break them the bad news that's going to cost you know, X amount of extra dollars on a, on, a, on a project. Yeah. And so, again, the fundamental challenge with change orders is that we all have change order management software, which is internal facing, where we manage change against our internal budget. And the challenge is I want to make sure what I'm tracking internally matches what my subcontractor is tracking internally also. Mm -hmm. And so... Again, that's where we come in is we're a shared platform, a shared source of truth to make sure both companies are on the same page. Um, and so to do that, you know, we use cloud-based tools that, that you know, add to this, this ecosystem. Um, but our, our goal is to make it lightweight, easy to use, not a heavy implementation, something that you can invite another company to. And again, in order to do that, it just has to be lightweight and really easy to use. Hey, innovators. Is there a way to prepare your company for successful implementation of technological innovation? After over 115 episodes talking with some of the best minds in the construction industry, the answer is a resounding yes. There are building blocks that you can put into place that will form the foundation for your company to successfully implement technology. I have compiled my thoughts from those conversations into a new ebook simply titled Foundational Building Blocks for Successful Tech Adoption. You can download the ebook for free at our website, bridgingthegappod.com. After you have, I'd love to hear your feedback. As always, keep innovating. Mm -hmm. well, what do you think the kind of bottom line value is for creating that greater visibility? Yeah, well, what's, what's really cool about it is that this adds value to every stakeholder on a project. Mm -hmm. Like the outcome of a job going over budget, falling into a dispute, um, is not the outcome anyone wants at the beginning of, of the project. And you know, we would always joke when we would award a, a subcontractor on a project, like, all right, on this job, there's gonna be no changes. <laughs> and we would say that as a joke because we knew there was probably already a, a design addendum or an ASI coming out that we were going to send to the subcontractor and ask them if there was any cost impact. So like just the notion of eliminating change orders is, is, is not something that's really practical. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of technology today says, well, with better technology, we will eliminate the need for changes, but that's just unfortunately not the reality in construction. You know, if you, all the technology in the world, if you open up the ground and find out, you know, it's an Indian burial ground or, there is an unforeseen gas line running through the job site, or there's asbestos on a pipe that you didn't think was going to be there. That's out of contract work, and you're going to have to track it in some way. And so, you know, that's where we come in is making that process less painful for the entire industry and recognizing the costs in real time. So, for subcontractors, a change order request represents part of their revenue. And so, if they don't get reimbursed for that, especially if it's TNM work, they're already upside down on that portion of the project and maybe upside down on the entire project. Um, so for them, it's, it's a cash flow thing. It's really critical to their business to one, understand where they're at and whatever they can do to reduce those days aging on change order requests is a material impact to their business. For general contractors, it just represents risk, right? So I always say for a, change, for a general contractor, people don't understand how small the margins are. You know, especially in 2009, like we were talking about earlier, our margins on jobs were like two or three percent, and that was for profit. And so, if you get a ten thousand dollar change order request and you miss it in your inbox, 
that's a $10,000 liability. If we can get that covered in our budget or we can explain it to the owner, get it covered in their budget, we make $200 in markup. You know, it's, it's immaterial the amount of money we make. Like we don't make money on change order requests, contrary to popular belief. And so for GCs, it's really about reducing risk and be, giving you the ability to help your owner make proactive decisions. So the more confident you can be where you're at on changes, you can better communicate to your owner where you're at. So if the owner has a budget that they're holding because they really want to upgrade the carpet or they want to add you know, uh, some architectural sheet metal to the facade or you know, whatever it is, they want to know if they have that money or not in order to make those changes. And if you can't report costs to them confidently in real time, they're not going to be able to make those decisions. Like I hear from tons of our customers on the general contracting side, some of the biggest arguments they've ever gotten with their owner is at the end of the job, they say, hey, great, we finished under budget and we're gonna give you back $500,000. And the owner is like, why did you not tell me that six months ago? I would have put that money to work in the job to add value to the project. Yeah. So again, being able to communicate this stuff in real time is critical for really all the stakeholders um, on a project. And again, that's where we come in. So the subcontractor can initiate the use of our software. They can invite their general contractor or the GC can, in, can initiate it by inviting their subs and inviting their owner. And everyone can be communicating on our, our platform um, in real time, regardless of what they use uh, internally. Yeah, nice. So let's shift gears a, a little bit and start talking about the implementation and kind of the adoption of tools. How do you encourage and convince people to embrace and, and then adopt new technology tools. Yeah, it's uh, you know I've lived it myself. Like we've we've tried to bring on tons of technology laws you know, in my past life as a general contractor, and you know I think you got to kind of flip the script a little bit. It's you, our industry has this habit of like blaming the contractor for not adopting technology, where I really believe it's up to the software provider to make it so easy to adopt or have such a high ROI on the software, that it's a no-brainer to adopt. And so if there's a really, really hard, high ROI, sure, the technology can be a little bit harder to adopt. But if there's not a super high ROI, it really needs to be ridiculously easy to adopt. And so that's on the software company to make sure that those two levers make sense. And so for us, you know, that's something that we really focus on. It's just ease of adoption to make it easier for the general contractor to adopt. And then have a clear ROI so they can explain not only to the executive who signed the sales order to buy the software, but they can go explain it to their team. You know, hey, here's why we're buying the software. It's going to make us a better builder, a better general contractor, a better subcontractor, a better owner. Here's why we're going to adopt it. Here's why I need you guys to buy into it. And, and if that's not crystal clear for the whole company, and again, the software provider doesn't give them material and, and you know, an adoption plan, then again, it's, 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 it's not on the general contractor the sub, it's really up to the software partner um, to help them do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, so it, what should the process kind of ideally look like then from the, the provider's point of view to, to help really uh, set the, the client up for success in embracing this new technology? What's, the, what's that technology adoption and implementation process look like? It's a good question. And I think it, 
the answer is, of course, it depends. It, it depends on the solution. Sure. If it's an ERP system or a new accounting system, uh, you know, it's going to be a heavy lift. And people should have that expectation going into it. Um, if it is a solution like ours that's complementary to other systems they're using, then it should be really a, a guided but also an easy onboarding system. The way we do it, for example, is we offer a free managed pilot. And the reason why we call it a managed pilot is because we work with you to help build the value proposition to your company of why you should roll out our software. We also manage it in the sense of, we don't just give you access and say, hey, play around with it for three weeks and come back to us and let us know if you want to buy it. We're going to set up a series of meetings with, with the, the prospect and the customer and really make sure that they understand the value they're going to get out of it, what stakeholders are going to get use out of the software, um, what the business case is for the software. And then we're going to get in there and actually help them set up their account, invite some of the right users, show them how to properly use the software. And again, we can do that because our system is lightweight and easy to get up and running. But it's still so important to be involved in that adoption. We then have a customer success team that's involved in that pilot. So instead of just like, you sign the sales order, everyone's all excited to start using the software and then you get handed off to a different customer success team. We actually try and bring that customer success team into that pilot period so that once the pilot's done, at the end of the pilot, they're already up and running, they already have their account set up, they already have a lot of their users invited, they have a bit of a playbook, they have a business case, and when we check back in with them a year later, we know the value that they were expecting to get out of the software and we can benchmark it against what they actually got in terms of adoption, in terms of use, in terms of ROI. Um, so having it be scripted so it's really easy for the, the companies to adopt, I think is incredibly important. And having like a, a philosophy around that is, is really important. It's taken us a while to adopt it or, or figure it all out. So it's easy for our, our customers, but that's really what we've landed on. And it seems to, seems to work really well. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the, the roadmap there on it that, that you are, kind of clearly setting up the expectations of, of what to expect throughout the, the year-long journey of it. And what does that really look like? Where are the communications going to be coming in? What are the benchmarks? So you can have those um, kind of gut check moments throughout the process of, are we on track? Are we not on track? And it's not just a put your finger in the, the wind and I, it feels like it's going in the right direction, but I don't really know. Right. Yeah. And no, it's, it's, it's easy to get into that, to that trap. Um, the other thing I would say too, you know, I've talked about what the software company should do, but as a, as a construction company, you also want to have your own internal framework to evaluate tools, right? At my last company, it was the, the initial filter was incredibly simple. Our, our CEO would ask us, does it make us a better builder? Like, will we be better as a builder with this technology? Yeah. And it was a great lens to look at things through because we would have to develop a use case for why it makes us a better builder. It could, it could make us a better builder because it adds more value to our clients, or it could you know, materially impact how we you know, execute and perform work. Um, but starting there, you know, we would eliminate some software right off the bat. It's like, well, it's cool, but it doesn't really make us a better builder. So we don't really know how to measure the impact of the ROI on it. Mm -hmm. um, so having some sort of internal framework for you know, maybe some high-level initiatives that you're trying to solve over the next 12 or 24 months, or, or even a five-year plan. Um, you know, what, what, what do you want to do with your business? Are you trying to grow your business? Are you trying to keep your business the same size and just improve margins? 
Are you trying to maintain customers? You know, what are those things that you're trying to do with your business? Are you trying to expand into another state? Uh, are you trying to standardize things across your company? And then you can, and then once it passes maybe that first gate, it doesn't make us a better builder. Then you sort of put it, put it through the other paces of those other things that you're trying to accomplish as your business. And maybe there's a software tool out there that's going to provide a ton of value, but it doesn't help you meet those in, in immediate next objectives for your business. Well, then maybe you put it in the backlog and you prioritize it a little further down and you, you just go evaluate tools that are truly going to make, you know, you hit those milestones that you've set out for the business. Um, so I would, I would encourage companies that are evaluating technology before you just start bringing in much technology, really make sure you understand what the objectives are of your company. Mm -hmm. Um, that also, if you communicate that clearly to your company, that then gives your team the ability as they're getting, you know, cold emails and cold calls from all these software companies out there, which I understand is, is rampant in our industry right now. <laughs> uh, we're guilty of it. You will admit, um, they can actually have a lens to say, wait, that actually does help solve that business objective. Our CEO mentioned at the all hands meeting or whatever, and they can actually have a, a filter for bringing that stuff up the food chain um, to the right people. The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and championing innovation with real world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit asti.com and let them know we sent you. Yeah, that's great. I, I love that. Um, so in, in a perfect world, how should the change order process really operate? It's a good question. I think, I, and I, I know what I, I guess I'll restate kind of our, not restate, but state our philosophy around the process itself is mm -hmm. we don't, we don't believe it's broken. Like we, we believe the change order process exists for a reason, but we, we believe it's super manual, right? The way we share documents, the way we create documents um, is really manual. Mm -hmm. So, and then there's also this fundamental gap of how do you know what's been sent and received between parties? And so like, those are, those are kind of like our philosophies around the current process. So the fundamental change that we, we feel like our software solves is we are a shared source of truth between both parties that show when something's been sent from one party to the other. Mm -hmm. That's the basic problem that I think needs to be solved with Chambers. And that's what, that's the basic thing that we solve with our change order communication platform. We're the first company to do this in a shared way. But the other thing that we've been really innovative and pushing is just eliminating all the waste that goes into this process. So for example, time and material work out on the job site. Let's say there's trade damage. Let's say you're working overtime. Let's say there's an unforeseen condition. Um, or let's just say you get an estimate and you don't, as a GC, you don't love the price you got. You say, hey, this seems really high. How about you just do the work track it on TNM and we'll pay you a change order for the work that you do. So companies call that an extra work authorization. They call it time material tag. And again, we don't believe the process is broken. They perform the work out on the job site. The, car, the subcontractor pulls open a carbon copy stack of time material tickets. 
they fill out the amount of labor, the amount of material, the amount of equipment they spent on the work. The general contractor has a superintendent on site who verifies that they did that work. And they sign in the autograph that, yes, you did that work, but I'm only verifying you for the hours and the quantities and material you spent. That makes sense because we don't want people out on the job site approving big dollar values before we've had a chance to validate that one, it is out of contract, and two, that all the math is correct on the actual pricing. So that document verifies the work. Then what happens today is they drive that document back to their home office, or they take a photo of it out on the job site, they text it to the PM. The PM then scans that, they save it to a file folder in their computer, or an admin does this. Then they open up an Excel workbook, or they maybe they have you know, software in place to price out a change order request. They manually transcribe all the data from the ticket. They PDF the change order request. They attach the copy of the TNM tags as a backup doc to that change order request. If they have photos, we have companies that actually drop off a um, flash drive with photos of the work and that someone has to plug in the flash drive and download the photos. I mean, the, the process is crazy manual. And then they PDF that and they email it to the general contractor. Then the GC gets it. And, and what we found with the data that we've looked at is that process on average takes 24 days. So from the date the tag is signed to the date the GC actually sees the cost on average, 24 days, wow. which means that on the high side, it's like two months or three months. And I've had situations where it's six months. Yeah. And again, it's just risk for everyone. And so then the GC gets the change order request and they go back and forth reviewing it. There's revisions, that's manual. So just in, to the point where we can get the change order approved, you know, it can be weeks, if not months, if not going on a year of aging before the sub can actually build for the change order request. So we believe we built the perfect workflow solution to solve this problem, which is we have a mobile app on the job site. The subcontractors can document their work. They can take photos of their work. They can either have the GC sign directly on the device to verify the work, or they can email requests a signature to the general contractor if they're offsite or they can't find them on the giant job site. The GC can add notes. They can mark things, revise and resubmit. If it's not valid work, they can actually reject it right on the spot and have that conversation. The second it gets signed, though, it's logged back in the home office in our cloud-based TNM log. If they have their rates imported into our system, they literally click a button, it creates a change order request cover sheet, it attaches the TNM tag, and they email that to their general contractor. So within minutes of the work being completed, the GC can see the cost impact and be ready to react to it and have the conversation with the PM. Then all the back and forth can be handled in our software as well. So it's a complete paper trail of the whole change. And then the GC can either cover that in their allowance or in a budget, or they can get it in front of their owner. And one of the most awkward things I would have to do as a GC PM is, you know, if we're reconciling an overtime allowance, I have to show my client a bunch of handwritten time material tags documenting the overtime. And the client's like, is this really how you guys track this stuff? You know, <laughs> If it's a you know client who hasn't built a lot of buildings, and sometimes we couldn't even read it. So again, you know, we don't believe the process is broken. We believe it exists for a reason. But there is just so many places to automate and speed up the process, and that's really what we focus on. Which doing that uh, just really adds value to all stakeholders on the project. Yeah, yeah, I love those ways to find places to to streamline and, and just tighten up the the process. That's great.
so as we are kind of wrapping up this year, which is hard to believe, but huh, what is something that you've learned this past year that you would recommend others incorporate next year? That's a great question. Yeah, you know, I think you know we've been moving. You know, we're, we're a startup. We're a little over three years old as a company, and you know we've seen a lot of growth over the last couple of years. And I know many construction companies have done the same thing too. And I think there's also with all the change in the industry and the fast-paced nature, I know there's also a lot of turnover at companies. People come and go. You know, if you're in the middle of a project, you know, someone leaves, you got to make sure you have, you know, someone to backfill or you have to train a new employee. And one of the things that you know, we've been working on as we've been growing is really just got better documenting our business process. You know, and it, it has nothing to do with like our company or our software or what we provide as a service, but just how we do things internally. Mm-hmm. And we've really created, created playbooks for each part, each department you know, in our company. And <clears throat> What that's given us is a way to ramp up new employees quickly. If, if somebody from another department wants to come and learn more about how the rest of the company does something, it's a great central repository to um, make sure everyone's looking at things the same way. Also, the way we communicate externally, you know, we've really streamlined and documented so that everyone's you know, speaking the same language. Yeah. But I think, you know, we, we would try and do this at our last um, uh, in, my, in my last career, and I saw this same challenge with subcontractors is just ha- creating that vision for your company and creating the playbook on how you execute and, and do things internally is super important for construction companies and something I wish I would have done you know, earlier in my career or, or, help, or helped out on. It's not to say we didn't have it, but just putting more of an emphasis on it has really helped us. And I think for our industry with how fast paced everything is, it's hard to like carve out time to really invest in your employees and making sure they're as efficient as possible. And so I, I'd encourage the, any construction company listening to, to consider that and spend some time there because it pays dividends forever. And it's something you can always go back to and refine as things evolve in your business. Um, one being the thing I mentioned earlier, which is the framework for how you evaluate technology, you should write it down, you know, write it down somewhere and memorialize yeah. it. So. If anyone does come up with some technology, you send that to them and say, hey, does it, does it meet this framework that we've established for our business of what we want to get out of technology? So I guess that's the thing that I would I would respond with. Yeah, that's a great answer. I, I, I love that. Being thoughtful with your process and then documenting it so you don't lose that kind of institutional knowledge when somebody moves on from the company. I, yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, it's one thing that we've actually seen as like a side benefit to our software too. We didn't really, we didn't build the software for that use case, but when it comes to tracking change orders, especially on a two or three year project, odds are is, you know, someone's going to go out on maternity or paternity leave. Someone's going to quit, leave the company or someone's going to come on new. And if there's a change order log or a bunch of email threads with really important change order information, it, it can be impossible to actually transfer that knowledge to someone else. Yeah. So the ability just to add a user to the project and have access to all that information um, between two companies is incredibly powerful. And so different use case and similar concept to, to the documentation piece. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that makes total sense. Well, how do people find out more information and connect with you? Yeah, you can just go to our, our website or, or find me on, on LinkedIn, um, it's just extracker.com and 
my name is Cameron Page. You can find me on LinkedIn. I love connecting with people in the industry, whether you're you know, starting a business, I'm happy to give feedback there. Obviously, if you're a subcontractor or a GC, we'd, we'd love to talk to you guys and give you a tour of our software and show you how it can you know, add value for your projects and all the stakeholders you guys work with. Nice. Well, final question for you, Cameron. What does innovation mean to you? Innovation. I think that's a good question. I think the main thing about innovation is, and this is what we say too, because, you know, unfortunately, with our innovation, we do cut out tasks and sometimes jobs. You know, sometimes people, their full-time job is to process and manage these documents. And we automate so much of it that it can kind of eliminate some positions, which sucks. But what we always say is you can, you can use those resources you have, which is your people, which is the number one resource, to do more value-added work and, and add more value somewhere else. Like we don't really believe someone scanning a TM tag is adding a crazy amount of value. They can go do something that will add tons of value to your business. And so that's what we, I, you know, with the lens that I look through all innovation is how can we make our people more efficient by having innovative solutions that allows them to do that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, hopefully, you know, that is what the industry is realizing with technology is that. It can be daunting. It can be frustrating if there's bad tools out there, which there are, you know, I will say. Um, but the goal of good innovation and good technology is to let your people do less manual tasks and, and add value in places that it actually makes sense. And I think we're beginning to see that a pretty, pretty dramatic. But in, in some small windows, though, it can feel like technology is adding a bunch of work. Um, but really, you know, the goal of any good innovation should be to reduce, you know, wasted, wasted effort. Yeah. Love that. Uh-huh. That's awesome. Uh, Cameron, thanks so much for joining the show. I enjoyed the conversation. Likewise. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Todd. Thanks for everything you guys do. I, I, uh, I uh, love the show and I'm glad I could be a part of it. And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take. Technology and collaboration have made the need for visibility all the more important. Leverage technology to help firm up your processes to give greater confidence that you aren't missing important pieces of information. Second take, Cameron used the example that at a previous company, they ran decisions through a simple question of, does this make us a better builder? I love that. Having a North Star that you can measure new initiatives, workflows, software, and more against is a handy tool It will go a long way to set you up for success in the long term by understanding the value and business case behind the action. And finally, document your processes to minimize disruption as things change and people leave the company. You want to make sure you don't lose the institutional data and information that has been learned. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software, at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is directed and produced by Todd Wyant, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production. Copyright Applied Software 2021.